want to welcome everyone to this conversational chapel. I'm Steve Stratton, and I'm joined by two of my very esteemed colleagues, Toddy Holman and Lakeisha Izzard. Uh, we're all professors in the Department of Counseling and Pastoral Care, and we, we say hello to you this morning. We want to also invite you, even from a distance, to join us in our discussion about doing life in these unprecedented days. Let's just admit it. 2020 has been a year that we are glad to put behind us. It's been demanding in ways that we've never experienced before. We were all hoping to turn the calendar page and find ourselves in 2021 on the way to uh, stable income, uh, stable health, stable relationships across races and classes, and stable government. But we know that, that, that our hopes were uh, not exactly fulfilled when we uh, hit January 1st. But as one person said to me this last week, I'm exhausted by all the instability. I don't even remember what normal is anymore. And I think, I think he's right. I think he's right that mental and emotional and spiritual load that we've been carrying isn't gonna be cast off for a while. It is exhausting trying to adapt to this new way of living. Maybe it's right that we're having this discussion in the, in, the, in the celebration of Epiphany. It helps us to relate to the experience of Mary and Joseph and Jesus as they uh, were uprooted and transplanted into Egypt after the visits of the Magi. I know, Tati, as we were talking earlier, you were thinking about that me metaphor for us and what it means. Why don't yeah, you start off I was just struck that um, Epiphany celebrates or recognizes, acknowledges that the, the Holy Family, this new family adjusting to having a baby of all things, or maybe a toddler, depending on how you time things out. I'm not, that's not my point. Um, had to pick up and flee what was their temporary home. They, they weren't even among their family at that point in time or their primary family up in Galilee. And so I was just thinking about how disruptive that must have felt, mm. how frightening. Um, of course, it helps when you have an angel tell you to pick up your stuff and go someplace. I mean, that's certainly a, a bit of reassurance for sure. And we have that in scripture, maybe not the angelic voice speaking, but a lot of assurance of God being with us in unprecedented, unsettled, unsettled times. So here's this, this new young family adjusting to having a little one in their midst, having to uproot and go to a land that they had, their people had formerly fled. They had been, as you remember, slaves in Egypt. So I can only imagine that at this time they were experiencing just a lot of underlying anxiety. Mm. Will, we, will we be safe on the way? Where are we going to stay? How are we going to live? How will we be received? Will we find everything we need? And all the confusion. I mean, Steve, you mentioned the confusion around the, uh, we're still confused. Uh, we, you know, the presidential election was confusing and it's still going on in a confusing way. And so I can only imagine, in that way, I identify maybe this little bit about what, how confusing that must have been to Mary and Joseph. And of course, what was their future going to be like? And how long will they have to be there? Wasn't well, that our, you know, how long are we going to have to live in COVID land? How long is it going to be before we all get the vaccine? Oh, Lord, how long? How long? I mean, that's, um, 
yeah, unless I stay in the present moment, I can really drift to that pretty, pretty quickly. So those were some of the connections I was thinking about as I was thinking about um, epiphany in the time of political unrest and COVID-19. A one-two punch. Absolutely. And when you say that, Toddy, it just reminds me again of a lot of the unrest um, that we've been able to see ongoingly. Um, throughout 2020 and now coming into 2021, which reminds me a lot of the January 6th um, issue that we just seen with the riot at the Capitol and looking at that related to racial trauma. Um, many people probably didn't notice all at once, but for people of color, um, that becomes a time to stop, uh, process, think, and even grieve. Uh, because it does take us back to areas of racial trauma. And when we're looking at racial trauma, it refers to mental and emotional injury caused by different types of racial bias and, and racial discrimination. And most of the vulnerable populations that are affected by racism and racial trauma are people of color. And so when we're looking at the word of God, we're looking at the Bible and how we're trying to wrap our minds and make sense around some of these things that we're seeing that are racially motivated, um, it brings me back to scripture reference uh, in Romans 22 and 24, where it speaks about how the earth groans and, and continues to groan and been groaning. Um, even throughout biblical days and even where we are up till now, as well as in Matthew 24, when it speaks about in the New Testament, the earth having birth pains. And so I think we're just seeing a lot of what the Bible is just making so clear and so real and so open to us. And so we do. We have to pay close attention and most importantly, staying close to God and hearing what he has to say. Mm. That's really good, Lucretia, because what you take us into then is the whole idea of our reaction when we're alarmed and frightened in terms of sort of the, the automatic fight, flight, freeze response that like our body decides how we're going to do that. So when we are frightened by COVID-19 or stunned by the uh, insurrection at the, the nation's capital? Uh, did we go into fight mode in terms of or flight mode, which every once in a while I did that. It's like, okay, I don't need to have the CNN effect with having the, you know, the TV on 24 seven. That is not in my best interest. So manage the media. Yes. Or did we freeze in that, you know, did, did I, yes, I will confess. Yes, yes, yes. I was like stuck to the TV off and on that kind of like my own freeze mode. It's like, oh my gosh, what's happening next? Oh my gosh, what's happening next? Kind of in a sense, instead of orienting to God and God's comfort and knowing he's sovereign. And even though things are a total mess right now, he's going to watch over me and I'm safe right now in this moment, I'm safe. I think that's what I want to come to, Tati, as we think about this. I was I was uh, reminded of the scripture in Mark four of, of Jesus in the boat in the boat during the storm. Yeah. We've got these these men, almost uh, many of them professional fishermen, that are looking at the storm that's dropped in on them. This storm, and they are afraid. I mean, these are experienced fishermen in the storm, and they're scared to death. And in their fear, they forgot that Jesus is still in the boat. They, they forget that he's present. 
And that's, I think that's the thing that oftentimes our fight or flight response does. Is it, it gets us so captivated and absorbed by the threat that we're experiencing that we forget that Jesus is still present, that he is still on the boat, and that he is uh, he's a part of this experience. As a matter of fact, he is still in the center of the things that are happening, and he's trustworthy to be, a pre- to be present with us. Yeah, I can imagine that when they went to... Uh wake Jesus up. I think the, the comment was, don't you care that we're perishing, which I, the, you know, the, the revised Holman version is pick up a bucket and help bail. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Oh, my. And as we're speaking more about the, the fight and the flight and how we're feeling and racial trauma and grief and processing and all these things, it does take me back to, of course, as a counseling professional, some of the areas that we may definitely have challenges with around COVID-19 and some of the unrest that we've been actually experiencing. And I think this is something that we all have experienced through 2020 and will experience through 2021 and that secondary traumatic stress secondary traumatic stress, because we're witnessing so many things from a distance. We're seeing it on media. We're seeing it on social media. We're hearing it on the radio. And that's exactly what secondary trauma is. You're hearing it through secondary outlets, even though you may not be witnessing it for yourself face to face and up front, but you're getting it indirectly. And when we get it indirectly, we still experience secondary traumatic-related symptoms, such as the number one is hypervigilance. And the both of you just spoke a little bit about that, where we're seeming as though we're on edge or we're glued to the TV and and we're not knowing what's going to happen next or how is this going to happen or what should we do to prepare for something else or another crisis. So that secondary trauma is so real. And it's something as counseling professionals that we have to look at within ourselves, as well as within our clients, the people that we serve, and even our students, and making sure that they are knowledgeable and aware of these symptoms. But just like you said too, Steve, recognizing it, being aware, but then going back to our primary healer, which is the Almighty God, and understanding that he's that peace that we need to decrease our anxieties and and going to him during those times where we may be feeling fight or flight or experiencing secondary traumatic stress. You know, it's hard to find that uh, present moment sweet spot where we're in uh, what one researcher would call or one counselor would call active alert. So we're calm, we're not, uh, we're not in fight flight, but nor are we like just sort of laid back like we're floating along with the river. There are things to watch out for. There are steps that we have to take to take care of ourselves. So we have to be active and alert, but we don't have to be panicking. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Steve, your comment about where we keep our focus during those times is really critical. I was working with a person just this last, just this weekend and, and helping her to think about, uh, to some degree, you've already got some clues as to, as to where those things, those moments are, those sweet spot moments. And, you know, beginning to gravitate toward those things that create the conditions for peace in your life, as opposed to, as opposed to trying to just fight and to, 
to uh, to gain control by watching TV all the time to see what's coming and uh, all of those kind of things. They don't they don't contribute to peace. And uh, and so getting her to shift her her perspective to uh, to taking uh, more giving more time to the things where she feels that calm, alert, peaceful sort of process, as opposed to the other things which are much more about fighting and and trying to manage and get control of things that were leaving her peaceless. And we really meet God in the present moment, in the right here and the right now. He is with us. Yes. He doesn't abandon us. And even when things seem totally bonkers, um, he is there. And that goes right back to the Mark passage with the disciples in the boat. And where did they put their focus? Yeah. Um, and I think it's one of those things for me that I was interested in that passage, how oftentimes, I, at least as I imagine it, uh, the passage talks about the whole group a lot. And it's kind of like the group can escalate the fears. Oh, yeah. yeah. The group can de-escalate the fears. That's and, right. And in this case, what the, what the disciples were doing were escalating one another. And I think about how that goes on all around me and about with my friends and, and the conversations that, that get uh, uh, kind of engaged uh, and I, oftentimes we're just we're just kind of growing our fears as opposed to reminding each other that he's in the boat. He's with us. He's participating in this moment. Do you see him? Are you are you are you noticing him uh, in these days? Mm. You noticing he's not afraid. He's in fact, he's sleeping. <laughs> the most relaxed. I mean, talk about vulnerable, relaxed, yeah. uh, non-defensive. How, how much more can you get? Yeah. He's, he's snoozing in the boat when this storm is going on. Yeah. Let's take a cue from that. That's a great Absolutely. And I think that really takes us back to understanding the piece about self-care. And then what I like to say now is God care. And I like to say that because he told us to cast our cares upon him. You know, and so we really do have to allow God to take care of us. But then you say, well, how do I do that? How do I even jump into self-care? How do I jump into God care? But it does. It has to be every day. It has to be daily. We have to be cognizant of spending intimate, quiet, and alone time with God. So one of the first self-care tips I like to look at is doing a self-check. Checking in with you, checking in with how you're feeling, where you are, what's going on with you physically, as well as mentally and emotionally, because we know that the two are joined together. So we need to make sure we're doing that self-check to see where we are and being still and, and being quiet. And Steve, I believe you had a, a really great example about doing a self-check and, and checking in with ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I know, Lucretia, you just done a presentation recently about some other of those self-care things, the way we create the conditions for, for that kind of peace to be present in our lives. And you just mentioned one. Are there other things that you were presenting? Absolutely. Faith meditation, um, as well as talking to God on a daily basis, but faith meditation has a little bit more to do with just studying the word of God. As we know that the word of God, we need to study it. We need to know the truth. But in addition to that, really that stillness and waiting to hear God's voice really helps us to tap into what that means to be in faith meditation and experience that every day, as well as understanding that we are still human. 
And knowing that we need to laugh, that we need adult playtime, that we need to be with our loved ones, our close friends, and even if we can't be close to them face to face, we can see them like in this virtual setting, this virtual world, and being able to enjoy time still with them. And then counseling is so very important. We need to understand that it's okay to not be okay and to ask for a little assistance and a little help sometimes because we can't be expected to do it all. Like I like to say, I love superheroes, but okay, that's imaginary. (laughs) (laughs) So we all need a little assistance from our brethren, from our brothers and sisters from time to time. And God has gifted counseling professionals such as myself, Steve and Toddy, to be able to be there and to assist you with working through some of these troubled times and troubled things. You know, one of the things that I'm learning, um, so I've got a new uh, being in my life. I adopted a dog in December and I'm learning a lot. And one of the things that I'm in training to train my dog is that just like human beings, when we're in alarm mode, we can't learn. We can't listen. We can't uh, socially engage because we're so self, we're in a self-protective, whether it's fight, flight, or freeze, it's still a self-protective mode. And so when I make this transition to the, the, let's focus on Jesus in the boat, where is my focus? The first thing I can imagine God saying to me when I'm in that alarm mode is, that very calming sound, I find myself saying it to my dog when she's alarmed. I don't think she gets it yet. But um, (laughs) when you're trying to comfort a child, isn't that one of the, that's for me, one of my automatic, I've got you, you're okay. You know, before I address anything else, I want to calm the child down. Well, I think God does that with me in my moments when, when I finally reorient, you know, I'm, I'm not oriented to the alarm, but I start, shifting my orientation and looking to the Lord, I think his first thing is not bad child. Why were you looking at that big garbage truck that scared you, which is what my dog does. But (laughs) look to me when that trigger is there, turn and look at me, turn your attention to me. And then I'm going to say, shh, I've got you. And I think we have to find ways to remind ourselves to do that. And to remind each other. I think that's the message that we're saying is that we have responsibility to remind one another that he is present. He is with us. And in the midst of all that we're experiencing together, that he is in the center of that. If we will, if we will, if we will quiet ourselves Mm -hmm. and we will look for him, he will be found. And sometimes that's as simple as breathing and breathing deeply Mm -hmm. and breathing well. I think, you know, when you're alarmed, you tend to hold your breath. (laughs) And so this, uh, praise God for breath. Not breathing is not good. I'm I'm just going on to say not breathing is not a good thing. And of course we know that in COVID-19 world, that's a big concern with the lung involvement. Mm -hmm. So when we get alarmed, maybe the first thing that we can offer to those of us who are listening is breathe in deeply, not just the air, but breathe in the Lord. Think about that that, um, chorus we sing, you are the air I breathe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, breathing. Which goes back to one of our um, evidence-based practices of mindful breathing. And so absolutely mindful breathing and mindful breathing about God, about God's comfort, about the Holy Spirit and allowing him to comfort us and lead us and be there to support us and guide us as we're doing that mindful breathing. And I like to always think of God as a bright light and and, and warmth all around me and that he's hugging me, you know, really, really closely because we need God's love so much and we need to experience God's presence as much as possible. And I think taking that time, Toddy, to do the deep breathing, doing the faith meditation, being still, being quiet, listening to hear from him, all of that connects us to God's love. And finding community, Steve, as you mentioned, uh, we may have to be doing this on our own periodically because we are there's we're not in a space with a community, but we do so much better when we support one another. Scripture is full of the one anothering uh, passages, and Steve, as you mentioned, we can either um, heighten one another's alarm, or all it takes is one person, like it was with Jesus, to say, "Let's take a breath and calm down. Yeah. Let's take a breath." We're safe. He's with us to help us bring ourselves back into calm where we can hear the word of God, hear the voice of God, and hear one another speak, speak truth to Mm. feel. Absolutely. You know, as as we come to the end of our time, one of the things that I'm aware of is, uh, is just how I'm grateful how you both do that for me. That that you're, I know that when I'm in your all's presence, as well as some of our, our other colleagues in our department, there is a sense of being together that makes me able to be still and mm-hmm. to know that God is present and in our midst together. It, we there's a there's a way of there, we talk a lot about self regulation today, but there is the sense of of regulation that we help one another do as as you all are describing, and I think that's that's a a significant piece we would like to leave people with today. He is present and we can help one another to be aware of his presence. Mm-hmm. One of those things we wanted to end with uh, today in our conversation was a prayer actually from Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman is one of those uh, saints uh, from our uh, African-American contemplative, a theologian, a pastor, Uh, And this is a prayer of his that was published in Conversations with God, Two Centuries of Prayers by African-Americans. We'd like to end today with this, and it really points to, uh, again, how much we need him, particularly in the areas of time, order, and the way we see the future. Would you allow me to pray this prayer over us uh, from Howard Thurman? Oh, God. I need thy sense of time. Always I have an underlying anxiety about things. Sometimes I am in a hurry to achieve my ends and am completely without patience. It is hard for me to realize that some growth is slow and all processes are not swift. I cannot always discriminate between what takes time to develop and what can be rushed because my sense of time is dulled. I measure things in terms of happenings. Oh, to understand the meaning of perspective, that I may do all things with a profound sense of leisure, of time. 
I need thy sense of order. The confusion of the details of living is sometimes overwhelming. The little things keep getting in my way, providing ready-made excuses for failure to do and be what I know I ought to do and be. Much time is spent on things that are not very important, while significant things are put into insignificant places in my scheme of order. I must scramble my affairs so that my life will become order. Oh God, I need thy sense of order. Finally, Lord, I need thy sense of the future. Teach me to know that life is ever on the side of the future. Keep alive in me the forward look, the high hope, the onward surge. Let me not be frozen either by the past or the present. Grant me, O patient Father, thy sense of the future, without which all life would sicken and die. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and by his Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thanks to you who joined us. And Adi, Laclesia, it's always good to be with you too. Thank you.